Lowry on the way. Good! Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has erupted. Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. I am Bob Schmidt, your host, the voice of Fox Sports Radio, and the captain of the 5-in-1 Cleveland Cavalier bandwagon. I love doing these podcasts after victories like this. I thought we were going to throw it away. Same thing that happened last game. Halftime, we find ourselves down by 13. In this game, we find ourselves down by 9, despite what felt like a great game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But if there's ever a time to do a podcast, it's after a fourth quarter where you outscore your opponent 35-17. to 17. And that was the story of this victory. But a lot of incredible storylines throughout the game as the Cavs defeated the New York Knicks at home, setting up a rematch at home against the Boston Celtics. Now let's dive into this game. Stars of the game. Three guys. You're going to hear their names again and again and again in the next couple days as people talk about this game. It's Donovan Mitchell, it's Kevin Love, and it's Dean Wade. Donovan Mitchell, not a shock. But the way he started the game, I have to admit, I still found it pretty surprising. The man continues to surprise me as he dropped 38 points in this game along with 12 assists and some absolute highlight reel plays, including the one we're going to see again and again and again, which is him going down the middle, splitting three defenders, and dunking it right over Hartenstein. There was no short supply. Mind you, in the fourth quarter, we got four-point plays from both Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Love. Huge mental lapses by the New York Knicks, fouling three-point shooters. I mean, they were desperate to slow down the three-point shooting of the Cavs, who hit 23 three-point shots. We took 50 looks from outside. 50 looks. There were only 89 attempts during the game. So well over half of their shots from outside the arc. And the Cavaliers shot a blistering 46% from three-point land. They also got to the line 16 times on 19 attempts. So pretty efficient day from the line as well as Evan Mobley hit all his free throws. Donovan Mitchell, six for eight from the line. Kevin Love got fouled a couple of times. He went three for three. So good night at the line. Good night at the three-point line. Very, very, very good night at the three-point line. And despite our rebounding troubles in the first half, we made plays when we needed to in the fourth quarter and the defense dialed in and a lot of that credit in the fourth quarter has to go to our man, Isaac Okoro, who finally saw Some notable playing time, 21 minutes for him tonight, and he closed the game out. If you had told me last game, is Isaac Okoro going to close out this game against the Knicks? I would never have predicted that unless we were up by 100 points. And we went into the fourth quarter, down by nine. He dialed in, he got the assignment to shut down Jalen Brunson, and he succeeded. His stat line, still whatever, one point. But took a Jalen Brunson who scored 12 points in the third quarter, and he basically silenced him. This was a Jalen Brunson who Levert basically clamped up in the first half. Levert and Brunson would probably both like to forget that the first half even existed. Karis Levert in the first half was 0 for 7. Jalen Brunson, 1 for 7 in the first half. But third quarter Brunson was a different story. While Karis Levert's woes continued, he finished the game 0 for 9 from the floor after dropping 41 points. Talk about a roller coaster ride. I was talking to a friend who picked him up in fantasy and I... It was in the back of my mind all game. Like this poor bastard. 
I hope he needed assists because otherwise that was a waste. But anyway, Brunson heated up in the third quarter, 12 points from him on six for eight shooting and things clearly needed to change because the Cavaliers found themselves down by nine points going into the fourth quarter. And what did we get? A barrage of love, a barrage of Mitchell and a Coro being given the task to slow down Brunson. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to overstate his impact. I just feel like he's taken a lot of slings and arrows in the last couple days. And it's worth noting that we finally got a game where you could say that he made a positive impact on winning during it. His offense still has to at some point show up or he's going to be buried deep in the rotation. But maybe that's simply his role on this Cavalier squad. And if we keep getting the play from the depth that we've got, so be it. If he's just a defensive stopper, I'm okay with that. I've waited. I've hoped he'll break out. But it's a far less concern to me now with the way the rest of this roster is performing. And he had a couple of plays that really gave you hope that, okay, maybe it's not as hopeless as it felt the first five games. How many times have we seen this season where Isaac Okoro gets taken out of a play with a high pick and roll where he either tries to run through the screen and gets a foul or is chasing the play and is simply not long enough to contest from behind. And for a guy whose trademark is defense, he certainly doesn't get that respect from officials. He accrues a bunch of fouls on plays that are 50-50 balls. I mean, tonight you saw him on the losing end of a struggle with Julius Randle, where Julius Randle basically hooked him, but the foul went on Isaac. I'm not even complaining about that. It's just the way it is. At some point, The tide turns and you start getting the whistles like Kevin Love has been as he's established himself as a charge taker. But we haven't reached that point with Isaac Okoro. You get maximum effort, but you get modest results. One thing I'll say about Mitchell is Mitchell is shorter than Isaac Okoro, but his arms are so long that he makes these plays from behind with blocks and stuff that if Okoro had that element in his game, it might be a different story. But nine times out of 10, if anything happens when he's Chasing down a guy from behind, he rides up on him a little too close, and he ends up getting a foul called on him. Tonight, he was able to mostly stay in front of Jalen Brunson in the fourth quarter, and he had a couple highlight plays. That focus on Brunson forced a lot more of the playmaking duties to Julius Randle, who, by all accounts, had a pretty bad night. He did have seven assists tonight, but he had four turnovers. He shot 50% from the free throw line. He went five for ten. In a game that's close, you cannot afford to leave five points on the free throw line. And I know what you're saying, Bob. This game wasn't close. But this is one of those games where the final score is not indicative of the battling the Cavaliers had to do to win this game. In the third quarter, it was looking bleak. They were stretching the lead. They went from a three-point deficit at halftime to a nine-point lead at the end of the third quarter. And that was despite Donovan Mitchell doing everything he can to keep the Cavs in the game who just went cold. The Cavs shot 3 of 15 from outside in the third quarter and were 7 for 24 from the floor. You cannot shoot sub-30% and expect to hold on to a lead. And they dug themselves quite the hole. But the fourth quarter saw Kevin Love and Donovan Mitchell trade off threes. And he even got some daggers from Dean Wade, who I would like to point out is becoming a bit of a Knicks killer in his career. Let's not forget last January. Forced into duty due to the many, many injuries this Cavalier team sustained, Dean Wade dropped four three-pointers on that squad. And what does he do today? Add six more for good measure. Four for four shooting in the first quarter, making two threes. That was 10 points to go along with Donovan Mitchell's 15 first quarter points and five three-pointers. Those two came out of the gate on fire. 
Kevin Love came in the second, carried much of the action, and then when the second half hit, it was all Knicks in the third quarter. They were a good rebounding team. We knew that coming into the game. This Knicks team, the second best rebounding team in the league, second best offensive rebounding team in the league, and four first half offensive rebounds for Mitchell Robinson, who he might not give you much else, but he gave them some second chances, and it allowed them to hang around. And then in the third quarter, they dialed in. We made some costly, bad plays, turnovers. But what we did in the third quarter, you saw that in reverse from the Knicks in the fourth quarter. Just some foolish plays from them, some terrible fouls. Those are back-breaking plays. At one point, the Knicks were up by seven. It was 99-92. Love hits a three, cuts it to four points. And then the next possession, Mitchell made an and-one three-pointer. So a four-point play to tie it up at 99. That is devastating. To have a seven-point lead and in two possessions, the whole thing is wiped out. And then let's talk about our man, Okoro. Those of you who remember the conversation from the last podcast about how I always parallel Obi Toppin to Isaac Okoro, things weren't looking great. Obi Toppin had nine points on four-for-five shooting in the first half to go along with four rebounds. But he finished the game with that same stat line. He was a no-show in the second half. Okoro, however, made one of his best plays of the season. When they found him in the lane, gunned the ball into him near the rim, and rather than try to go up against taller guys, he one-touch passed it to Evan Mobley, who flushed in a dunk, and the onslaught continued. And Jalen Brunson, who gave the Knicks 12 points in the third quarter, just two in the fourth quarter. And if you outscore a team by 22 points in the fourth quarter, clearly everything was working. But that blistering shooting performance was what set the stage for a Cavalier victory that rose their record to 5-1. and Another matchup with the Boston Celtics in front of us that we can look forward to as a way to cement ourselves as the clear second-best team in the Eastern Conference. The Bucs seem to continue to roll. But you have to be happy that the Cavaliers who are the best three-point shooting team in the NBA, continue to pour it on in that regard. And they're doing this all without Darius Garland, with another bad game from Osman, and with perhaps the worst game of the season from Karis LeVert. The depth on this team feels so much different than it did last year. And a lot of that is due to the luxury of being relatively healthy. Knock on wood. I know Garland's down, but what they lost in Lowry Markkinen and Colin Sexton and Ochai Abaji I still believe those are good players. I will flat out say it. I was wrong to worry that we overpaid because what Mitchell provides you is more than just numbers. He provides you some of those back-breaking plays that just break a team's will. That drive down the middle of the lane where he split three guys, spin move, and finished over Hartenstein, those are demoralizing. Those are far more demoralizing than a Pull up from 18 feet that you splash in a guy's face. And, I, and I'm and i not saying this to get into some discredit Sexton thing. I love Sexton. The bigger thing that I'm taking away here, the Cavs were set up to absorb those losses. We're getting more from Levert. We're getting way more from Wade. And even with this terrible start from Okoro, the cooling off of Osman that I'm worried that we're seeing, still... Those two men have been able to cover up a lot of the holes, and Donovan Mitchell is a true two-way player. The talk of, oh, well, you still got no defense in the backcourt. That is not true. Maybe they'll figure out a way to scheme him out in the postseason, but regular season, right now, this man is impactful on both ends. 
Two more blocks and a steal from Donovan Mitchell tonight, and that man can get up. He skied for a rebound right over top of Randall. He self-acknowledged that he didn't have his best playoffs. His wingspan is huge, as we've seen. I think he clearly recognized what he needed to improve this offseason. He's closing out. He's rotating. He's helping on the weak side. And he's getting his hands in the passing lane whenever possible. This defense looks tremendous. Dean Wade looked incredible to start the game. R.J. Barrett had a good first half. Admittedly, he had 11 points, I believe, or 13 points. Made three shots from outside. But Dean Wade made him work. Maybe Markinen is the higher ceiling guy, perhaps a bit more elite of a shooter. But Dean Wade, I don't think you can question that Dean Wade is playing exceptional basketball to begin this season. And he's getting better and better every game. We're getting defensive effort. It's not a lockdown situation every night. Jason Tatum had his way with him in the first half in that Celtics game. But tonight, peak Dean Wade. You can't hope for much more than what you got last night. It feels like we've got Kevin Love. And we've got the guy who will do what Kevin Love does when Kevin Love eventually hangs it up. You even saw one of those patented pump fake sidestep threes from the top of the three-point line from Dean Wade tonight. It was very reminiscent of Kevin Love. So just an exceptional effort from Donovan Mitchell not to allow this team to break. And they won the game going away. I am truly curious how Knicks fans feel after tonight. And I, I tell you what I will be doing after I finish watching this Bills game this evening, is I will be on Knicks Reddit, reading all the Knicks fans, crying, woe is us, we didn't get Mitchell, I will be rock hard, fully torqued, sporting my Quentin Grimes died for this boner. And if I'm Quentin Grimes, I'm feeling a lot of pressure. Because all the Knicks fans know that he's the reason that they didn't get Donovan Mitchell. So, he may not have to be Donovan Mitchell, but Jesus, is the pressure on him to show up big time when he's finally out there on the floor. I think you should set your alarms right now to catch first take. Stephen A., he's going to lose his mind tomorrow. You can pencil that in. And I will be recording that. That will certainly be audio that features prominently in the next Fear the Fro podcast. I am exceptionally high on the potential of this squad moving forward. Coming into tonight, a lot of the dialogue on Twitter was, Okoro has regressed. And I talked about it. I think throwing around the term regressed is a bit harsh on Okoro. I would agree. If you wanted to say, does Okoro suck on offense? I would say, absolutely. But does he suck any more today than he sucked when he came in his rookie year? No, I don't think that's the case. And I don't think it's fair to take the start of this season where the man shot 15 times up until tonight. Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Love nearly took 15 shots from three-point land just today, 13 attempts for both of them. So to say, Okoro's gotten worse. He's actually worse than he was last year. No, I think we're just better. Way better. This is sometimes what happens. This is the risk we knew we ran. If we wanted an offensive player, we could have taken Obi Toppin. If we wanted a more well-rounded player, we could have taken Tyrese Halliburton. If we wanted a better perimeter shooter who was also good on defense, we could have taken Vassell. We gambled on elite defense with improving offense, And it's not working out. And I think it's good to keep this in mind when we tear down upperclassmen. We're seeing from Dean Wade the value of experience and a skill set that translates to the NBA. And sometimes you just have to put out of your mind that the guy's not the youngest prospect and realize that you're trying to get guys who can contribute and not be a liability. And now we're finally piecing together a roster full of guys who can play both ways. And I don't think we should throw ourselves a pity party because Garland hit, because Mobley hit, 
And Sexton hit at least well enough to be an integral part of a trade that landed us Donovan Mitchell. There's nothing to feel bad about. That good offense will always be good defense. It's much harder. You don't have to look any further than Donovan Mitchell for that. If he even plays serviceable D, his offense is so amazing that it launches him into the MVP conversation. So let's just shell this Okoro thing for the moment. Look at it as a sunk cost. You take what he gives you. It's the same way I felt about Love going into last season before he had his six man of the year campaign. If he exceeds expectations, great. But if not, we've already put into place plans for his eventual replacement and for contingencies. We'll be just fine. The Cavs are five and one. You should feel amazing about the start of this season. And when Garland gets back, be ready. There could be some hurdles as we kind of gel, but you have to feel excellent that some of these wins are coming against very high-end teams. And if the Cavs win Wednesday, get ready for the national media bandwagon jumping. Okay, Cavs talk done, NBA talk not done. I like to touch on other NBA subjects here in this podcast. This one has a bit of an overlap. I think you know where I'm going with this because it involves a former Cavalier. Now, say no more than that. Can you guess who it is that's dominating the news? What former Cavalier it is? It's got to be one of two guys, right? So who could it possibly be? I went on the Amazon Prime. I was like, you know what? Let me see if there are any documentaries on Yahweh. So went in the search bar, typed in Yahweh. That came up. Went out and shared it on my platform. That was my night. And of course, I'm talking about Kyrie Irving. Why is he dominating the news? You might ask yourself if you live in a cave. Well, it's not because the Nets are 1-5 and and tied for the worst record in the Eastern Conference at the time of me taping this. It's not that he's in the bottom of the conference alongside the Detroit Pistons in the Orlando Magic. No, which is pretty incredible when you step back and think about it. This is a team that less than a year ago was the favorite to win the Eastern Conference, came within one foot, one toe on the line of defeating the Milwaukee Bucks, the current top team in the Eastern Conference and title favorite to come out of the East. But no, the story is not about how badly the Brooklyn Nets have underwhelmed. And that just speaks to the incredible power of Kyrie Irving to make it about himself. And for a guy who loves everyone and accepts all religions and isn't a divisive person and just wants to be seen as a human, I'm an omnist. I'll tell you one group he doesn't love, the media. And I'll tell you another thing he doesn't love, accountability. When he pushed out this movie, and I'll say right out of the gate, I don't know a goddamn thing about Hebrews to Negroes, this book, this movie that's on Amazon that apparently it pushes a lot of anti-Semitic tropes, but I don't even want to get into that. One, because I haven't seen the source material. Me speaking on something as being offensive and harmful without seeing it is super hypocritical. My whole problem with Kyrie is that he refuses to stand up for the stuff that he says. And if anyone were to so much as question me as to what's offensive in this Hebrews to Negroes thing, I couldn't stand on that. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I did actually look at Amazon to see like, well, maybe I should watch this, pull some clips. It'll help make this a more nuanced conversation. $10.99 to rent this fucking movie. I wouldn't pay $10.99 to rewatch the Cavaliers 2016 championship. And it was over $30 to own it outright. I mean, I like documentaries. I'm not trying to slander the whole genre. But come on. There's no rewatch value on those unless I wasn't paying attention the first time. This isn't a movie like 
I don't know, where shit explodes, that maybe I'll, I'll, I need a mindless gore fest. I'll flip it back on. No, I'd watch this thing one time. I'd take in the information. I'd make a decision about how I feel about it. And then I would just get the thing off of my hard drive so that I am not taking up space that I could be filling up with pointless fucking podcasts. My issue though, is not with the subject matter because I think it's on every single person to critically think for themselves and not just to adopt the opinions of a famous basketball player or Raptor. Did I say Raptor? Fuck the Raptors. I meant rapper. But what I'm saying here is my problem with Kyrie is the endless victim complex. He's always the one who's being abused by the media. He won't take accountability for causing any of it. And it's for the same reason that the stuff that Kanye West said, I don't care. I don't put weight in the opinions of people who I think are fucking idiots. And that's where I land with Kyrie and Kanye. These are pseudo-intellectuals with massive platforms who want to be perceived as these intelligent guys, but the moment they get questioned on it, they just devolve into fighting with the media. I've been doing this more than you. Relax. You ain't got the answers. Bro, I'm asking you you a ain't question. been doing the education. Please look at me. Give me my attention until it's negative, and then you're the big bad media. Listen to this clip from Kyrie where he says that, well, what he posts is for his community. I'm in a unique position to have a level of influence on my community. And what I post does not mean that I support everything that's being said or everything that's being done or I'm campaigning for anything. All I do is post things for my people in my community and those that it's actually going to impact. Anybody else that has criticism obviously wasn't meant for them. This is the same rationale my parents would use. They'd tag me in an article about how more 30-somethings are suicidal than at any time in history, and they'd put it on Facebook or something. I have to explain to my parents, you know other people can see this, right? If you want to send me an article, use the fucking email. Don't put it out there so everybody can see it, because then I have to answer for it. No, I'm not going to swallow a bullet. I'm fine. Thank you for your concern. My parents just don't understand technology. What the fuck did you think would happen when you're Kyrie Irving? Here's another basic thing. If you espouse the views of somebody who said that Sandy Hook was fake and that all the children who died were crisis actors, even if you're not espousing those specific views, if you co-sign the views of that same person on any subject, you're going to be questioned. It's like saying, well, I liked Jeffrey Epstein's views on taxation. Hitler made the trains run on time. You can't co-sign certain people. Why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones' position, narrative, court case that he had with Sandy Hook, or any of the kids that felt they had to relive trauma. My, my post was a post from Alex Jones that he did in the early 90s or late 90s about secret societies in America of occults. And it's true. So, and it's funny, and it's actually hilarious because out of all the things I posted that day, that was the one post that everyone chose to, chose to see. I think it's safe to say that millions of people saw all the things you posted that day, Kyrie. They chose to react to that one because that one is the one that people felt was the most harmful. You probably don't share the view that certain people should never get a megaphone. That's fine. But that's not a new concept. People don't print the manifestos of serial killers. People don't give a microphone to mass murderers. And they don't do that because it incentivizes people to do harmful shit like 
what Alex Jones did in profiting off the death of children. And if you think this world is so divisive and you want everyone to love one another, do you not see the contradiction of amplifying the views of somebody who clearly did not give a shit about the feelings of the families of those dead children? If you feel that that didn't warrant maybe not espousing that guy's views, go right ahead. Share all the Alex Jones clips you want, but don't act incredulous when people take you to task for it. So then do you, I guess, understand or not understand those that might imply that that work had anti-Semitic leanings in it? You guys come in here and make up this powerful influence I have over top of the adultery of oh, you. You cannot post that. Why not? Did I hurt anybody? Did I harm anybody? Am I going out and saying that I hate one specific group of people? How many examples do you need of people who got suspended or fired for retweeting a joke or a political cartoon or a particularly offensive meme. Just the Washington, the first one that pops to my mind, the Washington Post reporter, Dave Weigel, he, he retweeted a, a joke that said, quote, every girl is bi. You just have to figure out if it's polar or sexual. He got suspended for that. Were those his own words? No, but there's an implicit understanding that if you amplify the views of someone else, then you either enjoyed them or agreed with them. Welcome to the real world. That's how real humans are treated. You, on the other hand, should feel grateful that you're not treated like everyday humans. Because how many people can say, eh, I respect my boss, Joe Sy, but respectfully fuck off and have no consequence. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say fuck off, but he basically said, I'm going to believe what I believe and I'm not sorry for anything. I respect what Joe said. But there has a lot to do with the not ego or pride of how proud I am to be an African heritage, but also to be living as a free black man here in America, knowing the historical complexities for me to get here. So I'm not going to stand down on anything that I believe in. I'm only going to get stronger because I'm not alone. I have a whole army around me. Gobbledygook, word salad. I don't know what any of that shit meant. Basically, he said that I heard her. No, nobody's saying you did. They're saying that you trumpeted and amplified the views of people who have caused harm to others. You don't have to feel bad about it, but that's what it is. Let's just cut to the end of the press conference, which was abrupt because the Nets had to cut it off because Kyrie was getting super argumentative. You don't got all the answers, Sway. That's basically that point in the conversation. And to follow up on the promotion of the movie and the book. Can you please stop calling it a promotion? What am I promoting? Hebrews to Negroes, available on Amazon. Put it out on your platform. But I'm promoting it? Do you see me doing, do you see By me in front of the, it out there, the people title? are going to say that you are Yeah, I put promoting. it out there, just like you put things out there, right? Yeah, but I, okay. I, it's not You put stuff, things out there for a living, right? Right, but my great, stuff great. is not so let's move on. filled let's with anti-Semitic Let's stuff. move on. Don't dehumanize me up here. I, I'm not I'm not doing I'm that. Another You're human free to being. post I can what, post whatever I want, so say that what, and shut it down and move on to the next question. But Kyrie, you have to understand that by I don't have post, to understand anything from you. But, but it's nothing. not me. Nothing. By it's no people that you're making up, bro. Move on. But by posting what you did. Move on, next question. Not having it. He was done with the questions. And I'm sure he walked off thinking, God, these people just don't get me. I'm a fucking genius. I'm so enlightened and they're just sheeple. God damn, am I smart. And just so this isn't 100% negative, I do want to say something in regards to my optimism or faith in humanity. If somebody who has paid attention to Kyrie or Kanye for any extended period of time has decided that those are the enlightened thinkers of society then let them go. 
let them live their life. Be grateful that they're waving a gigantic flag over their head that says, I am easily influenced. And just accept it and move on. Don't worry about that. Just be the best person you can be. And if you happen to be so famous that you have to answer to the media, maybe just try to not be an unrepentant dickhead. That would be a start. Don't, you don't have to apologize for your beliefs, but could you just not be a dick? Okay, I think I've said enough on this subject, but I will leave you this podcast. Let's wrap it up. Thank you for everybody who's listened. Thank you for everybody who subscribed. I don't know exactly what happened in the last handful of podcasts, but for some reason, there's been a lot more people listening, and I'm super grateful. So thank you for joining Fear the Fro. Richard Jefferson wrapped things up. He said this during the Nets broadcast. Ballsy move by Richard Jefferson. Speaking truth to power, I believe is what it's called. This is him talking about Kyrie Irving. Thank you for listening. You know, it's tough because it, it is disappointing. You know, Kyrie says that he has never, you know, he, he's not anti-Semitic in these things, but the tweet is still up. The tweet is still up there. Kyrie also earlier in the summer, you know, posted uh, Alex Jones, who basically tortured a bunch of families uh, here locally in Connecticut after the Sandy Hook tragedy. He was torturing those families, and Kyrie reposted a video from this man. It wasn't about that specific thing, but you have to understand how you use your social media has effects and can affect people, and if you're insensitive to that, then you are truly endorsing it. So to say that and not take it down, to repost Alex Jones, you are endorsing them and you are giving your platform of people and it's millions upon millions of followers in endorsement. You're saying, look at this individual or look at this movie. And so those things have, have effects and people need to understand that. This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.